Hey guys. Hey everybody. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chase. And this is... Crime with a K. You haven't sung it in so long, dude. I'm trying to be serious. They like when you sing it. Crime with a K. was good okay so we're back with another episode yes we are (laughs) apparently it's a long one it is it is a long one you guys are in for so buckle in a treat today it is a solved oh awesome i do like those Mm -hmm. so we actually just finished the season finale oh goodness of love is blind we we did we did it was intense if you watched it Uh, it was yeah i can't believe i got i was that interested (laughs) But it was good. They're also filming season four in Charlotte, which is like, we're so excited for that part because it's going to be like, where are they going to go? Where are the dates going to be? I know. We've been already talking about it. I know. But it was definitely worth watching if you ever just need something like that you want to watch mindlessly. It is so bad. And, but in a comedy way. And we don't like like reality TV. Like I, you will never catch me watching reality TV like The Bachelor or The Kardashians or anything like that. But Love is Blind, for some reason, is so entertaining. It's just so entertaining. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. So we finished that. And now we'll probably go back to our crime documentaries and unsolved mysteries and things like that. Yep. But so Coffee of the Day. Sorry if you just heard Netflix. Just <laughs> turned it off. So Coffee of the Day. We actually went to a new place uh where'd we go mugs oh yeah we went to mugs coffee we did it was it was good i thought it was really good yeah i liked it the food wasn't that good but you know what i found it to be like really cozy work vibes like if you were gonna go work from home somewhere like in a coffee shop that was what it was a good place to go do yeah that's cool i liked it it was it wasn't like i mean it was tiny but it was definitely just chill yeah it was very chill vibe and their coffee was good yeah, that was good. And it was actually really cheap. Their yeah. coffee was like $3. It's like 20 bucks for everything. Yeah. yeah. That was good. So I got a caramel iced coffee with almond milk. Almond milk girl. I don't do either. Yes, you do. No. You did last night. I had one glass, for, <laughs> but it was the extra cream, I yeah. think you said. The yeah. silk extra creamy almond milk is really, really good. It's really good in your coffee. And oh, cheese. it's almond milk. It's almond milk. Oh, that's probably why I liked it more. Yeah. You don't really, you don't like oat milk. Dad, I don't like that. But the almond milk you liked last night. He had a whole glass. Don't let him fool you. Yeah, but it's because there's a hell of a bunch of cream in it. He's a non-dairy king. No, I'm not. <laughs> Chase didn't know about alternative milk until I came into his life. Because that's not a thing. 
That's not a thing. It is. Alternative milk. No, there's milk and then there's other stuff. He calls it nut milk. Because it is nut milk. What did you have as your coffee? I don't remember. I probably had a caramel. I had a caramel iced latte, I think, right? I'm getting better. Yes, he gets this. You get the same thing everywhere you go, yet you forget what it is every time. Well, it's just caramel something. Caramel iced latte. Or like caramel, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And then we went to the cornhole tournament. It's just a lot of pressure. Oh, and then I we went to the cornhole tournament. We went far. Yeah, Chase Chase won six games in a row. Yeah, and then but yeah, and then you go to single elimination and you lose and you're done. Yeah. But we had a good time. It was good. It was fun. Yeah. So today's case. So today we'll be covering the case of Stacy Castor, who's known as the Black Widow. Okay. Miss Widow. So the morning is September 14th, 2007, and 17-year-old Bree Wallace walks into the bedroom of her older sister, 20-year-old Ashley Wallace. What she finds is absolutely terrifying for not only any sister to find, but any family member, any friend, really any person on this earth to find. Ashley is laying in her bed with her eyes wide open, faintly breathing, and completely unresponsive. Bree screams for their mother, Stacy, to come help and that something's basically wrong with Ashley. Stacy immediately dials 911 and Bree runs out of the room either to go find something or go find somebody or just go find something to help, but for whatever reason, she leaves the room. Stacy, while on the phone with 911, is looking for anything in her daughter's room to indicate what may have happened or what may have caused Ashley to go into this state. And this is when Stacy notices an empty bottle of absolute vodka. Oh. And a note next to Ashley's head. Okay. This note is a detailed confession of the murders of Ashley's father and stepfather, claiming that she was the one that had committed them. <laughs> so st- Wait, so she's the one, she killed her dad and stepdad? That's what the note's saying. Damn. So she must be, wow. She's That's a busy girl. Vicious. So, Stacy explains this to the 911 operator, and then she starts to tell her what she sees on Ashley's nightstand and the note, and says that she thinks Ashley drank the entire bottle of vodka and then mixed it with some Ambien to commit suicide. This was a suicide note that was left next to Ashley, but in that note, Ashley has confessed to two murders. Her father's murder, Michael Wallace, who died when she was only 12 years old, and the murder of her stepfather, David Castor, who had died only about two years prior to this. So oh, that's just crazy. Okay. So Stacy's in complete shock, but she keeps harping on this note to the operator, basically only focusing on the note and the details that it's giving. Mm. The 911 operator is like, okay, yes, I completely understand that there was a note that was left, but what we need to do right now is prioritize your daughter, and I need you to give me an understanding of the state that she's in so that we can help her until medical professional does arrive. I think that's understandable. What you would assume would be a mother's priority would be, like, making sure that our daughter's, like, good. Stacy then starts looking around the room and tells the 911 operator how messy her daughter's room is and then just says, oh. quote, just get here fast because now she's throwing up. Oh, okay. And the 911 operator's like, oh, okay, this woman is either in such shock that she can't seem to prioritize and can't communicate directly what's happening or she's blatantly ignoring the issue that's at hand. I mean, it, it's possible. I mean, it is. But okay, Proceed. This is when first responders arrived. They immediately loaded Ashley into an ambulance and then took her to SUNY Upstate Medical Hospital in New York. Stacy and Bree also made their way to the hospital, obviously, because it's their daughter and sister. But when they got to the hospital, they were not allowed into the room with Ashley right away. 
This ticked Stacy off, which again, obviously, because it's your daughter who just had something happen and horrible right. and like life threatening that you'd want to go in and figure out what happened to make sure she's okay. I agree. At this point, though, Ashley was convulsing, and both Stacy and Bree heard the doctors frantically say something about Ashley's heart beating out of control, which is never a good sign for anybody. Bree and Stacy waited in the waiting room until Ashley was medically assisted into a stable condition, and doctors figured out what was going on. Okay. Police then arrived at the hospital, unsurprisingly, because this patient that was just admitted to the hospital seems to have left behind a suicide note claiming that she committed two murders, but also because this family had been involved with the local police for years prior to this. Why am I not why am I not surprised? A few of those years for the reason of all of the unanswered question that Ashley's stepfather's death left behind. Bum bum. What was crazy was that prior to this, the police were really only concerned with Stacy and her husband's death, but now they were focusing on Ashley due to the alleged note that she had left behind in this attempted suicide. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Once Ashley was in a stable enough condition and doctors gave the okay, police went in to talk to Ashley about the note that she left behind and the details that it entailed. The suicide note was almost 750 words long, which is very long for a suicide note. That's that's like more than half the essays I ever had to write. Like, yep. What? Suicide notes on sure. average are 100 words or less. So this was very long and very out of the ordinary. There was also no punctuation in this suicide note. 750 words. Yep. (laughs) I mean, geez. So when police start asking her about this, Ashley looks at the police extremely confused. And she's like, I literally didn't write any note. I didn't take any pills. And my dad died of a heart attack when I was 12. He wasn't murdered. So Ashley has zero idea what these police are talking about and why they're there. And she's extremely confused why she's even in the hospital to begin with. She also detailed that her stepfather had passed away of suicide after his own father had died. So she's like, I honest to God did not murder anybody. Like watch those accusations because I don't even know why I'm here to begin with. Okay, so she writes a note that says, I killed my stepdad. She doesn't end up dying. And she goes, my dad died of suicide. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is going somewhere. It's going somewhere. Ashley then told police that the last thing she remembered was having a drink with her mother that her mother, Stacy, had made for her. She then remembers not feeling too good after that drink and just going upstairs to lie down. I knew it was going somewhere. She remembers nothing after that. And the next thing she knows, she was being rushed to the hospital and was in this frantic, chaotic, scary (laughs) situation. Oh, jeez almighty. Police then become very interested in the drink that Ashley had had with her mom. And Ashley was confused because she's like, I literally just had a little mixy with my mom. Like a little mixy time. Uh, Underage drinking. A little crazy time. Law break number one. (laughs) And she's my mom. But what police shared were that there were also two other people who didn't feel too hot after having an alcoholic drink made by Stacy. Oh my gosh, she popping pills in everyone's drink. Mm-hmm. Girl, get you some friends. No, don't get you some friends. She'll be popping pills into their drinks too. 
Okay, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess like, I gotta figure out why she's doing it first. You're right. So, who are Stacy, Ashley, and Brie? And who how does this start? <laughs> I need to find out who this woman is. I'm excited. I'm intrigued. So, Stacy Ruth Daniels was born on July 24th, 1967, to Jerry Daniels and Judy Eaton in upstate New York, which honestly is beautiful. If you ever get the chance to go, like, add Rhinebeck and Hudson Valley to your travel list, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Well, at least it ain't Massachusetts. <laughs> exactly. Stacy's mother, Judy, said that growing up, Stacy really wanted to work in law in some way, whether it was to be a lawyer or a cop. She just wanted to get into that field. And Stacy's parents said she did a really well job in school and she could have followed that path if she truly wanted to. However, her plans changed once Stacy met a guy at the end of her senior year. This man's name was Michael Wallace. Stacy was 17 when they met and Michael was 23. So he was an older fella. Older guy. An older man's. Older man. <laughs> but Stacy said that within five minutes of meeting him, she knew that he was the one for her and that they were going to get married. It was love at first sight. Of course it was. That's why we're talking about them. <laughs> Stacy said that Michael was the guy who was always there for her and was the life of the party and she just enjoyed being around him. Michael was there for her in the beginning of things, but he was very much still living that single life and very much ready to mingle life. He'd actually already been married and divorced, and weirdly enough, to Stacy's third cousin. Oh, this is what I'm saying. This is why we're talking about y'all. This is why we're talking about y'all. All of this. You shouldn't know things like this. Things are getting a little crazy. I'm close with my cousins. I would know if my third cousin was banging my ex. Like, come on now. <laughs> And, and this is why, this is why you're all on our podcast, doing shady, weird things like this. But okay. It's a big red flag if your third cousin starts to dating. Well, I just don't want to see you at Thanksgiving. <laughs> so things took an immediately weird turn. Stacy's cousin, Nancy, and Michael had also had a child together. They had a son and their marriage was a very toxic, tumultuous marriage. Michael had gone to jail for a few times for drinking and driving, and his ex-wife Nancy did claim that Michael had been physically abusive towards her throughout their marriage. This is what we're talking about, y'all. She said that this was the reason that they ended up divorcing, and Nancy did say that she did believe that Michael was still a good person. Uh, okay. When Stacy and Michael met, Stacy didn't see this side of Michael, but over time it slowly began revealing itself, which is usually how this type of dynamic happens. They did end up splitting up, and it wasn't physical in the beginning of the relationship, even though it did turn out that way, but that's not what made them split up. What made them split up was that Michael was a chronic partier who would always choose going out and going to parties and not ever staying in for the night with Stacy. Yes, I am. Which, like, understandable because I would hunted peak kick someone to the curb for doing that. No, I love going out for real every weekend. Yeah, Chase never I'm with comes him. Home. I'm with this guy. He's always gone. I'm always out, out of the crib. So they were fighting and arguing a lot about this, and they ended up breaking up right before Stacy learned that she was pregnant with their daughter Ashley. Oh boy. Stacy said that Ashley was her whole entire reason for being on this earth and that taking care of Ashley was her main priority and everything else just didn't really matter at that point. Well, that's good. Ashley and Stacy ended up developing a really strong bond and were known as best friends, and Stacy attributes that to the fact that for a while it was really just the two of them. She was a young girl pregnant with a man that she'd just broken up with, and she really bonded and developed a strong bond with her daughter because of that. 
A few months after Ashley was born, Stacy and Michael were able to work things out and get back together for their little family. But in April of 1990, they got married at Stacy's childhood home. It was a cute little backyard wedding. Oh, well, how big is the backyard? A cute little backyard wedding. Okay. <laughs> Which, honestly, little backyard weddings are becoming more and more appealing to me the older I get. And, like, seeing how much expensive a wedding is. And, like, mom. That I is such a, I think that. I think. I think funerals. I think weddings. I don't even think birthday parties are just all scams. It's just all scams. Just I so think expensive. birthday parties are scams for parents to not have to buy more presents. I'm being serious. <laughs> you're like having you're like outsourcing. because the order you get with the same because like think about it like the order you get with Christmas the less presents you get mm-hmm. you become an adult for birthdays the order you get the less presents you get no and you're like close friends it's a sweet day but yeah I yeah it's a scam <laughs> we start talking about birthdays I was talking about backyard because like my mom's getting married right now so I'm seeing how much a wedding's cost and actually Chase's best friend just got married yeah, so we oh, watched how that much with the wedding cost well, that's why I'm saying we got on birthdays because of weddings they're yeah. all scams they're all scams mm. so Michael was still partying at this point but Stacy was reining it all in and keeping him on track basically saying hey you know you've got a kid now you have to do the father life and adulting and giving him that really sense of security and stability and a lot of people claimed that Stacy was the one who wore the pants in that relationship. So one year after they'd gotten married, Michael and Stacy gave birth to their second daughter, Bree, and Bree immediately stole Michael's heart. And it became very evident who was the favorite child for Michael in this family. Ashley said that when she was older that she didn't really remember that her dad had a favorite, but others outside the family said that it was very clear that Michael would single Brie out and really only spend time with her or bring her places and basically have her be his little sidekick and push Ashley over to the side, which is very upsetting because like every kid and their parent has a different relationship. Like I have a different relationship than my brother does with my mom and my sister does with my mom but like my mom doesn't have a favorite like you shouldn't pick favorites it's a very tacky weird thing to do as a parent ashley and her mom were really best friends and they had a very different bond than brie and stacy so each parent basically just picked a kid which like weird but not my circus not my monkey so like do your thing yeah i mean we don't pick favorites we we like our yeah well we don't have any children so there's no one to really choose um no i I choose you you're my favorite huh except i'm not your child please or third cousin (laughs) stacy and michael fought quite a bit throughout their marriage oftentimes about money or michael's drug use and use of alcohol no one can really claim that he was physically abusive towards stacy because nobody really saw that side of him but they did know and mention that the couple fought a lot and struggled to maintain a healthy relationship with one another it was also known that the two did struggle financially and that there were a lot of financial issues in the family and the two of them also worked entirely different schedules Stacy worked as an ambulance dispatcher during the day, and Michael was a mechanic at night. So with opposite schedules and a stressful financial situation, that really doesn't help the situation at all. Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I'd seen a single place that had night mechanics. I've never... I I thought that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I've never bought my car in for an oil change and been like, 
Bro, we'll hook you up by 8 p.m. tonight. Don't even worry about it. Usually, they're like, if you don't come get if your you car. If you don't get your car here by 7.10 7 10 on the dot. It's stuck here till yeah. tomorrow morning. Oh, it's, oh, it's night. Oh, it's 7.30 a.m. Yeah, you'll get in seven days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it'll be $129. Oh, plus you need more than an oil change. Your wipers <laughs> suck. Your bag blinker automatically just broke. <laughs> Um, you had a flat tire, your transmission's broken, and all your spark plugs are screwed. <laughs> literally, they're literally like, if you don't pick your car up by 7, we're charging you by the minute. And by the way, both your headlights are busted and you need a new air filter. And Kelsey would say, okay. <laughs> they could literally say, Kelsey, your engine is entirely blown up. It actually blew up in the back of our shop, golfed into flames. Um, it's going to be $4,000 for your car to get fixed. And Kelsey would be like, oh my God, no way. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you think I'm lying? No, you actually like. I came home from Acura and I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess I'm out a thousand dollars because they have to do all this stuff." And Chase is like, "What?" And I hand him the sheet. He's like, "No, you don't need any of that." And I was like, "Well, I already made an appointment for all of it." She's not lying. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I hate cars. I hate them with every ounce of my being. Yeah. So if you're a night mechanic, though, let us know because we don't have those here. Yeah, if you are, sorry we just judged you, but we had no idea. We had no idea. So please let us know. So during the later years of their marriage, Stacy did mention to family and friends that she was going to divorce Michael or leave Michael, but she always wound up staying for some reason. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that he was her first love and they had worked through all their BS before, so why couldn't they work through this? And when you love someone, you want to make it work because things do get hard, but sometimes you can find your way out of it. And when there's kids involved, people always try to make it work. In the winter of 1999, about 10 years into their relationship, Mike began feeling really ill. And Ashley said that there were times that he couldn't even walk or talk and had a hard time remembering things. On one occasion, there was a time that Ashley remembers Michael was asleep and he shot up, projectile vomited, and then shot right back down to sleep. And she said, <laughs> oh, my God, that is so scary. Oh, my God. I would be like my husband's possessed. <laughs> there is no other explanation. for that. If I woke up out of a dream and just went, <laughs> oh, my God. I would literally be like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. I'd be so traumatized. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, that is so funny to me. That had it. Oh, whew. That made me, that gig. I got. I crack. Oh, that was funny. Well, Ashley said <laughs> that she that that was the first time she was. <laughs> I can't even say it now because you're gonna be like, yeah, no shit. Oh my god. That was the first time that Ashley was like, <laughs> whoa, something is not. <laughs> Whoa, something is not right with him. Something's bad. No shit. (laughs) Oh my god, I would be crying. If you woke up and projectile vomited all over me and then went back to sleep, I'd be like, oh my god. (laughs) What the fuck? Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. That was funny. That was a twist. I did not see that one coming. <sighs> and we're not laughing at Michael because it is a really sad story. We're just laughing. At well, the I don't know the story, so to me, this is hilarious as of right now in this moment. Jeez, I don't know what happens to him yet. He I just know that. Away. I figured, but as of right this moment, all I knew is the man you woke up, threw up, went to bed. Like, 
So Michael was a user of alcohol and drugs. So a lot of people in his life just assumed that his illness was the effect of all that. But Michael knew that it was something much worse than that. Okay, well, now... No, because you're not... I spoke about three lines too early. Well, you're not laughing at him. You're just laughing at, like... I mean, I have had many buddies that have woken up, thrown up, fallen out of bed, and... Right. Yeah. But, God, I spoke, like, three... I laughed too early. Oh, poor guy. But, damn, that's still so funny to me in that moment. Michael went to go see his doctor that winter and told his doctor that he often felt drunk when he genuinely hadn't had any alcohol and almost felt incoherent, like he had no control of what he was doing or what was going on or how he was acting. And he told them that he couldn't walk straight no matter how hard he tried. His doctor said, okay, well, this kind of sounds like an inner ear issue, but because there's like these crystals inside your ear that sometimes don't Sometimes they shift around when they shouldn't, which causes a vertigo-like situation, like dizziness and stumbliness. Don't know if that's a word, but it fits for this situation. Stumbliness. Stumbliness. I believe it. This was not actually the case for Michael, because while he was waiting for a follow-up appointment from that doctor's appointment, and he was still feeling those symptoms, but much worse. On January 11th, 2000, Michael laid down on the couch to relax and rest from what he was feeling and what he was doing. Ashley had gotten home from school that day, and she walked in to find her dad on the couch. And she didn't think that he looked good and said that he was making these really weird faces and doing things that she classified as abnormally strange behavior just for any human. And at one point, his arm jerked up into the air and then fell down. Okay, so, okay, okay. So, if I didn't know I was purposely poisoning my husband, I would think that my husband was possessed. But now, now it has taken a turn for the worse. Goodness on me, oh my. I'm upset. What, at yourself? Oh no, to me that was still hilarious in the moment. I was really, that geeked me. That geeked me. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. I really did. Just like... But man... My gosh. Poor guy. Ashley is also only 12 at this point. So she has no idea what's happening and she doesn't know why he's acting like that. And she's like, okay, well, I have to go and walk and get Brie from school. So I'll be right back. Ashley leaves and Stacy gets home from work. When Stacy walks in and sees Michael on the couch and this behavior, she also thought that this wasn't normal. And Stacy thought, okay, I think he's having a heart attack. So she calls the ambulance. What? But by the time the ambulance comes, it was too late. He had died on the way to the hospital and he was only 38 years old. No way. Which is really young for a heart attack. I mean, I'm no doctor, but it seems young. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't an autopsy because it's Well, se- how like how what, was he in good shape? No. No. No, not at all. Well, that could be a factor, but Yeah. Well, that's like that's pretty much what ended up happening. Is there wasn't an autopsy because it seemed pretty cut and dry. As well, to yeah, because if you're happened, out of shape, yeah, you're heavy on drug user, a heavy, heavy drug user, user. Her- yeah, they're just gonna be like, yeah, makes you're doing sense. hard work. You're not eating healthy. You're not. No. You're yeah. not being. It's because of your daily looks, like lifestyle. Your, your lifestyle. Yeah. Based on Michael's everyday habits and not being the healthy, fit guy and the drug use and the alcohol use, the hospital was pretty much like, yeah, this is pretty evident that it was a heart attack, which the only thing that they were thrown off of was how young he was to have a heart attack, even with that type of lifestyle. 
Stacy was his wife, so she was the beneficiary of his life insurance policy, and she got a payout of $55,000. She used part of this money to buy Michael a cemetery plot, and then... How, what, what year is this again? This year was 2000. Okay, so like $55,000 still wasn't like... It's not a like... A ton of money. It's not like you're rolling in it. No, so... Because funerals and cemetery plots and all that, that's okay. very expensive. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't, like, as a detective, you know, because I am one as a true crime podcaster now. Chasing the case. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. Oh, jeez, almighty. Okay. I'm just saying you want to look at the possibilities, and $55,000 doesn't seem like someone's life. Oh. Are you saying, like... <laughs> On the contrary... No, so, yeah, that, no, but that's what I'm saying, yes. That's like, not as much money as... Like, if you're a detective, you're looking into the case, and you're under, okay, she cast out the life insurance policy, how much was it? It wouldn't $55,000 is not going to waive you to be like, oh, she wanted the life insurance policy, which you see in a lot of cases. Right, it's not going to waive the red flag no. to be like... $55,000 is a nice car, and you pay off a little bit of debt. Right. And, or, if you, like you said... It basically covers the entire funeral. Yeah, because funerals are freaking expensive. expensive. Weddings, birthday parties, and funerals are scams. I'm, I'm, it is. The other part of the money was used to take the girls to Disney World. Now, I don't know if I would oh, geez, see. Like, goodness. I don't know if I would red flag that because, to be honest, if your husband and or and your dad dies and your kids are twelve and nine. It's not weird to bring them somewhere to try and cheer them up and get their minds off of it and kind of distract them for a little. But I, I don't, I don't know because it's like everybody grieves differently. That is a weird thing. It's me. like I don't agree. I, I don't feel, com- I don't feel comfortable judging that because I don't like it. I, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But like, Ew, but there is to each judging. your own. Yeah, I'm judging. I don't like judging that. It's, uh. I don't like judging, but like to each your own, do your thing. People in Michael's life did have a lot of questions on this entire thing, though. Michael's sister especially was like, okay, something's very wrong here. Something's not adding up. But she was ignored and pushed aside and the heart attack was really pressed onward. The one thing that people did think was wicked strange was the fact that Stacy showed very little emotion and the fact that Stacy's husband had just passed away suddenly and unexpected after being together for 10 years and you're not showing any emotion. People are like, "Mm." and again, you can't judge someone for the way that they grieve, but if there's absolutely no emotion happening, it's very much an eyebrow raiser to the other people in that person's life. At first, people thought, okay, well, she's just being a mom. She's being strong for her kids. But then they were like, "Mm, she's not showing any sort of sadness or any emotion, which is really odd. And Stacy also did move on romantically very quickly after Michael's death, which also gave people a weird notion. (laughs) Red flag that. Red flag that. Because that is some emotions. Which again, you want this person to move on and live a happy and fulfilling life. But if you're not sad and then you- <laughs> I don't give a fuck. No, 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 And nah. then you pull up. Don't agree with that. Don't agree with that. No, I'm saying, I'm saying you want somebody to move on and be happy after their oh, yeah. significant other passed away. You want them to do that. But if they show no emotion and then they go, hey, look what I found. You're like, no. No, well, I don't, like the, I don't like the like thing of time. Like oh. you need time. Oh, no. Yeah, if you love someone, a breakup's hard. Imagine them dying. Like, you don't just go, 
on to the next <laughs> right right no but and that's what people were saying is like that's how she was acting was like yeah that's what i'm saying that's huh. red flag well, that yeah red flag mm-hmm. that don't agree with her Lousy. i thought you were saying with me i was like yeah was no like, kelsey you're wrong <laughs> ashley and brie were not thrilled when their mom had met someone new their entire dynamic was going to change as it had just been the three of them after their father's death and the three of them became really close and developed a new bond as a family of three Stacy met David Castor through her boss in 2001, only one year after Michael had passed away. David was 10 years older than Stacy, but people didn't find it odd because Michael was also older. She just liked the older mans. She liked the older mans like you like the younger man. Okay. Thank you. David had been married to a woman named Janice and they had a son together, but ended up getting divorced in 2001. After meeting, Stacy went to go work for David at his heating and cooling company that he'd owned. Chase is literally like sly ass smirking over there because he's like, I just <laughs> burned Kelsey on her podcast. Like, thank you. Yes, I'm a cougar. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Janice. You see your face. <laughs> Janice. <So> <laughs> Janice, David's ex-wife, said that it was pretty typical for David to hire the current woman that he was dating at his company that he'd owned. He'd hire them as secretaries, scheduling appointments for him and taking calls. And Janice had worked for the company herself for a long time before their marriage ended. And the previous girlfriends that had worked there claimed that David had actually asked them to marry him too. But they all said no. Oh. I know. Wow. Well, he, uh, okay. Well, when Stacy, when he asked Stacy, she said yes. Janice said that it seemed pretty obvious that Stacy was marrying David for a life of security rather than love because David was a very successful person. He owned his own thriving business. He owned a big, beautiful home that Stacy and the girls would soon move into. He had different toys like snowmobilers, four-wheelers, those things. And she was marrying into a very stable, secure lifestyle with a lot of disposable income. I mean can't judge someone on that if you're just looking for the best for your family yeah but but when you're an absolute psychopath here we go you can judge them yeah in august of 2003 they ended up getting married ashley and Bree didn't want to uproot their entire lives to move in with their new stepdad who they really weren't fond of because david wasn't really a warm man who was interested in the girls David told Stacy on multiple occasions that he didn't really want a lot to do with the girls, but wanted to be a big disciplinary in their life. <laughs> okay, so exactly what I said. Okay, not what they wanted to do. No, which okay. is like a big no thank you. Also, it's just weird. Why? Right? I don't want anything to do with them, but I want to yell at them. It's like, it's like okay, get dogs. <laughs> get get a get a cat. I don't, I, don't, like, I don't know. No, you shouldn't yell at your dogs. I mean, but no, if you want someone to, like, be disciplined and listen to you, right. get a dog. They'll listen. Train it. Fucking weirdo. According to many people, David expected people to do as they were told by him. And Stacy did say that David wanted the girls to listen to him and not question him. But, like, dude, one, that's not going to happen because you're not their dad. And two, they're older. They're not babies. They're, like, teenagers. I don't even, I didn't even listen to my own mom when I was a teenager. Never mind somebody else coming into my house to be like, I'm here to discipline you. See, like, I don't, I, like, I was still scared of my parents in high school. So I don't know this, like, whole, like, teenage rebellion thing that, like, the girls did. Uh, I wasn't rebellious. 
rebellious. I just was like. But like, I never argued with my parents. Oh God, I, my mom and I went at I it. I was never rebellious. Like, I would, I would still be very scared if they like were mad at me. Oh my God, it was like fight night every night in my house. I think girls fight more with their parents because it, girls fight more with their moms. Because the moms are like, don't do that. And the girls are like, I know better. And that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, no. I I knew when I was being a dumbass. Well, this led to a lot of arguments in a very tense household in the Castor household. Everyone in the house was arguing with David, including Stacy. And the biggest fight took place when David and Stacy were trying to plan what to do for their second wedding anniversary. Their relationship honestly was not going great, and they were off to a very rough start. There were accusations of Stacy seeing someone else and having an affair. So David was like, okay, let's go away for the weekend. Let's be alone. Let's celebrate on our own. Stacy did not want to do that. She didn't feel comfortable with Bree being home alone for an extended period of time because she was only 12 to 14. So Stacy was like, honestly, I just don't feel comfortable leaving my kid home alone for that long. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. David was like, okay, bet. I'm trying to figure out this marriage and I'm trying to make it work. And according to Stacy, this is when David began drinking a lot, especially this weekend. He apparently screamed at her to get the fuck out of his house and take her kids with her. David, yeah. So wait, so what did it stem from? It stemmed from basically the girls not... I, I don't want to say the girls because I don't want this to come across. So they weren't rebellious, like, but they basically just didn't want to listen to a guy they didn't ba- know at all. Yeah, yeah, because I don't I don't want to blame them. But they were basically like, you're not my dad. You're this man that we're moving in with who doesn't want anything to do with us, doesn't want to build a relationship with us, but wants to re- like discipline us Absolutely. and yell at us. I would be like, no. And especially when you're that old, 12 to 14, you're rebellious. Yes. And, and you're in middle school. You know how fucking hard middle school is? Oh, yeah. I don't need some grown-ass random man I barely know basically being like, Meddling with yes. my shit. And like, God, so no. there was just a lot of tension because they were like, we're not listening to that man. Now we're mad at my mom for moving us in with this oh guy. God. Yeah, like my, my, my future boyfriend in eighth grade didn't sign my yearbook. Like I got bigger things to deal right. with than you fucking telling then me Then this random-ass man trying I get to tell it. me what to do. Jesus. Oh, my. And middle school's hard. It is hard. If anyone and is in that range group well i already told you santa's not real so good luck in middle school well and you had stay uh, david i've given them a david. i've given them a hollywood name you have david and stacy fighting because he's mad about the girls and she's mad about the girls but in very different ways so it was just honestly it was just a lot of toxicity happening in this house toxicity you're making up i, like I think that's a real word damn so we're both we both are over one on words mm-hmm. we thought were right and not okay proceed so david screamed at her to get the fuck out of his house and take her kids with her david had also just recently lost his own father to mesothelioma which really didn't help the situation because it just heightened his stress and sadness so there was just a lot going on at this point and a lot of different external factors that were stressing this family so stacy did what david screamed at her to do she and her kids got to fuck out of the house, and according to Stacy, David was in a full-fledged drinking binge this weekend and basically locked himself in the bedroom. At oh. one point, Stacy was able to get herself into that bedroom because she said he'd lock it, then unlock it, so she ended up being able to get in, and she found him passed out on the floor completely naked. I mean, maybe he was hot. I mean, I mean... 
I get hot sometimes. That, is, that is true. I mean, people sleep naked. Stacy ended up calling one of their friends, Mike Coleman, to help get David back into bed. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? What? Hey, hey, bro. I need you to help my bro- my naked boy. Can you just can you just help my naked friend get in bed? With- she couldn't lift him. <laughs> she put some underwear on him, and then they were able to get him in bed. She got him dressed before oh, the guy came okay, over. Okay. Well, but she was like, I can't lift him. Part. I'm just I I'm just saying if, if if one of my buddies said, Hey man, I need you to help me get my naked girlfriend in bed. I I just need you to help me out here. I'd be like. No. Or if I called Jay to help you get into yeah. bed while you're naked. Jay, Chase is naked, man. I need you to come over here and, like, that's a little much. Jay would be like, no, thank you. No, I would be like, no, thank you. <laughs> but, okay, you left out context again. I've been I've been really bad on the context. I'll laugh too early. You're, like, jumping early. the gun I here, know, kid. I jump it really too hard. So she puts some underwear on him. They get him into bed. And Mike and David had actually been friends for years. And Mike said that when he got there, David was so out of it that he had absolutely no idea who Mike was. Mind you, they'd been friends for years and David did not know Mike at all. Mike helps Stacy and then he leaks. On August 22nd, 2005, Stacy made a call to 911 saying that she was not even able to get into her bedroom and that her husband was locked in there. She told the operator that she hadn't spoken to her husband since the day prior, early in the morning, and that he screamed at her to go away and leave him alone. He then got himself a bottle of Southern Comfort and slammed the door. Stacy said that she knew he had passed out because he snored really loud and she could hear the snoring. So she's like, okay, perfect, great, he's sleeping. But at this point, she couldn't hear him anymore. Officers arrived to the home and then they had to break the bedroom door down and when they break that bedroom door down, they find 48-year-old David Castor face down in a pool of his own vomit, dead. I mean, it's either that the Stacy woman's really good at what she's trying to do and she's making a good point. And the only thing that you've said so far before I've laughed and prematurely laughed because <laughs> I've been off. But, I mean, I've been, I've been very, very drunk sometimes. The times that I've gotten very drunk, I will wake up the next morning and I, I will know who people are. Like, I might not feel good, but I'm just not like, who are you? But then again, it's like, okay, you wake up. You If I'm, if I'm a police officer and my wife, the wife comes up to me and goes, he's a heavy drinker, and you walk into the locked room or whatever it is, and you see him pass out in his own vomit, I would never think twice on what it is. Really? You would think it's just alcohol poisoning? In his own vomit, yes, at first sight. Because, yeah. I mean, well, there's a ton of people that, like, yeah, you die on your own vomit because you drink too much and you die. Well, what was weird was that there was an empty bottle of antifreeze on the floor beneath his bed. Okay. Well, then if I'm a poli- I am shooting the gun so hard here tonight. I don't know if you're speaking slow. Jesus <laughs> firing shots. I'm just building up the intensity here. You are. I'm just slowing down the episode for everybody else to have the thoughts that they want to think about this while I just bullshit it all. So everything I'm saying is just bullshit, everybody. I'm like, oh my God, this is how I would perceive it. And you're like, but you're wrong. And I literally go, oh, the next line is... (laughs) 
And then uh, you're like, okay, I'm, it's I'm, happened so many times. I'm doing it for every other person that's listening tonight. I apologize. He just wants to hang out with you guys longer. There was also a glass of what looked to be antifreeze on the nightstand next to a bottle of alcohol. And then there was another glass with a sticky substance in it, which they thought was an old glass of cranberry juice because there was a bottle of cranberry juice on the bedside table as well. Well, it might be. I don't know. David was rushed to the hospital, but he was determined to cease, and the cause of death was kidney failure from the antifreeze. The death was ruled a suicide because based on the antifreeze and the information Stacy had given them. So... Before we proceed, I am done proceeding before the proceeding must be proceeded. I am sitting with my hands folded in my lap, patiently yeah, waiting no, for I'm the done. information. I'm done. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to show and tell, not show, not yeah, show. Everybody, if you would just slide over to this next side, we'll be live. And take a little sip of antifreeze. Because I'm going to tell you what antifreeze does to the body. So I'm going to tell you and not show. To talk about what kind of antifreeze does to your body when ingested. Because consuming antifreeze as a means of suicide isn't common. Like people don't do that because consuming antifreeze is a slow, painful death. It's an excruciatingly slow and excruciatingly painful death. So when a person ingests antifreeze, their body begins to basically metabolize the chemicals from the antifreeze, which is why it's such a slow and painful death, because it takes a while to kick in. And that happens in about three stages. So stage one of antifreeze poisoning typically begins between 30 minutes and 12 hours after a person ingests it. And the ethylene glycol in antifreeze affects the central nervous system Uh, first and early symptoms of antifreeze poisoning may appear similar to those of alcohol intoxication these symptoms can include loss of coordination slurred or jumbled speech dizziness fatigue headache euphoria nausea and vomiting seizures coma now i'm not so it's just a painfully slow poisoning death yes that makes you feel like you're drunk yeah that's awful (laughs) which if you remember I said Michael Wallace told his doctor that he oftentimes feels like he's drunk when he hasn't had any alcohol. That's my foreshadow. Well, I'm done foreshadowing. So the second stage, people will typically enter the second stage of antifreeze poisoning 12 to 24 hours after ingestion. And during this stage, the body continues to metabolize those chemicals and turns them into toxic acids, which then lowers the pH level of your blood, which leads to a condition called metabolic acidosis. And at this point, antifreeze poisoning will start to affect multiple organs, including the kidneys, brain, lungs, and liver. And then people in the second stage of antifreeze poisoning may experience an irregular heartbeat, shallow breathing, changes in blood pressure, dehydration, fatigue, confusion, and cardiac arrest. What? Me? (laughs) Yeah. Cardiac arrest. Like, woohoo! <laughs> so, the third stage, this happens about 24 to 72 hours after ingesting antifreeze. And if a person doesn't. Do you know how bad that would suck? That's what I'm saying, is it's not. That's why, that's why people don't do that as a means, because it's like you would be. You would be exposing yourself to a horrible, horrible death. Well, and it's just like, yeah, it's 
no one wants to enjoy a slow, painful death. And mm. that's just like what that is right there. Oh, it's horrible. And if a person doesn't receive treatment by this third hours, there's a buildup of calcium oxalate crystals, which then leads to kidney failures. And that's exactly what happened in David's case. Well, then they can definitely point to, to they can narrow that down to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, not a lot of people. So when investigators arrived on the scene, they immediately knew something was off with the entire thing. One of the investigators assigned to the case, Dominic Spinelli, immediately got bad vibes when he found the gun underneath the bed that was used for hunting. Now, this was strange because to choose antifreeze over a gun isn't common and men typically aren't poisoners and don't use poison as a means of suicide. No, not at all. Nope. It's like, what, gunshot to the head or... Yeah. It's quick and non-painful. Mm-hmm. Janice, who was David's ex-wife and had been with David for 25 years, didn't believe at all that David had committed suicide. Once this was shared, Dominic did another sweep of the house and he found a turkey baster in the, gar- in the garbage can. This turkey baster had remnants of antifreeze inside the baster as well as had David's DNA on it. There were also Stacy's fingerprints on the baster. And I don't know if there's like different types of turkey basters. I've never basted a turkey. So like I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I am. Oh, that is the one thing I dread with Thanksgiving. Basting a turkey. Oh my God. Do anything with a turkey. <laughs> it's fucking dog shit meat. I don't want to deal with it. It's like, ew. Oh my God. And the fact that a turkey has the, uh, like it has the audacity to take that long to cook are you fucking kidding me are you kidding me i could throw a hamburger on the grill five minutes tops and you're telling me this big ass bird needs 14 hours to taste dry as fuck are you kidding me okay i'm sorry i just got on a little rant there but turkey is dog water i mean it's dog water Everyone's like, oh my god, you like deep baked it. And we put it in the oven for like like 900 days. And it's so moist. And I like take a bite of it and I'm like, I literally could add salt and it tastes better than half the chicken you've put cooked. Like, are you kidding me? Ugh, it's so gross. It is so bad. Turkey's dog water. I want roast beef or ham. Okay, well now that we've addressed... Or ribs. ribs now that we've addressed that. I'm just... Chase I'm, will be having ribs for Thanksgiving dinner. But the turkey baster was the dropper kind with the rubber top. And, yeah. Yeah. With, so... Awful. The rubber top... Scam. Chase, the rubber top is the part that had Stacy's DNA on it. The other part, that bottom part, is where David's DNA was. Um, I know you're like really worked up right now about Thanksgiving, yeah, but I need yeah, you to come a, back. There's a murder, and there's a lot going on here. I think the turkey scam, the turkey baser scam, DNA, that's murder. So this isn't weird because one, it's her house, and maybe she's like cooking lots of turkeys. But the, you shouldn't. The glass that had antifreeze in David's bedroom also had Stacy's fingerprints on it. Which, again, wouldn't be weird because it's her house and it's her glass, but the fingerprints were on the bottom of the glass. Like how you would tip the glass up to somebody to help them sip or nah, if they were to drink yeah. someone. Nah, you're, you're making yourself look real guilty. Mm-hmm. Making yourself look real, real guilty. 
I want to show you the glass of antifreeze. Show me the glass. The glass of it is just so, like, creepy because it's neon green. Wait, so he drank that and had no suspicion? You'll find out. Because, I mean, my goodness, that looks like a Dr. Seuss green eggs and ham type drink. You know what I mean? Like, babe, here's your, like, nightly glass of green goo. I'd be like, <laughs> excuse me. Not that. I don't drink that. What is that? So police are like, weird. Let's call Stacy in here. Good idea. When they do that, Stacy's like, no, not weird. Let me tell you why. David would have used antifreeze as a means of suicide because the two of us, well, we'd been watching 48 Hours recently, and the show featured a woman named Lynn Turner who'd killed her husband and then later killed her boyfriend by mixing some antifreeze into some green jello. And Lynn got away with the whole thing for a while. And, like, she thinks that this is, like, making her look good, but the police are like, um... Ma'am, your first husband randomly died, and now your second husband's dead, and there's some green-ass antifreeze situation happening on his nightstand. So who truly was inspired, David or you? Detective Spinelli. No, I, the, the audacity. The audacity to say that my husband watched 48 hours. I was like, yep, that's it. That's... Why would... But like that, if you're going to commit suicide, you're not trying to create a criminal episode. You're just trying to go out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Nah, he 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 wanted to." He was inspired. Uh, Detective yeah. Spinelli found it really weird that Stacy had shared this story because this seemed to be a copycat deal to the Forty Eight Hours special that Stacy had really just replicated. So Dominic Spinelli then starts to ask Stacy some questions about her first husband, Michael. And at this point, about his random heart attack and if that had really killed him and how it had happened. Stacy then went into depth about Michael's infinite health issues and that it really came as no surprise that he had passed away suddenly due to these, which Detective Spinelli then was like, okay, and went and took a look at Michael's medical records and found the exact opposite of what Stacy had shared with him. Michael only had health issues at the end of his life, within one year of dying. So this is when Detective Spinelli wanted to exhume Michael Wallace's body, because remember, there hadn't been an autopsy that was done, and this took about an entire year to get permission to get Michael's body exhumed, and once they did, they found that Michael's kidneys lit up like a damn Christmas tree with antifreeze crystals. Uh, I mean, I am sorry, but... I'm getting cremated. I've been hearing all these stories. Like, you know how pissed? Do you think I'm going to kill you? No, but uh, you know how pissed I'd be if I'm in the ground and all of a sudden y'all just rip me up? Like, damn, y'all really just going to take my bones like that? Like, that's just bullshit. Like, I'm already dead, you know? Like, I get y'all trying to, like, find justice, but for me personally, I'm gone. I don't so, know like, if I'm any- dead. <laughs> I don't need justice. So you know how bad it feels? He's just grabbing my pelvis, grabbing my femur. Like, man, that's so not cool. I don't know if you all have picked up on this, but Chase's motto is to just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. That is Chase's. Like, he just wants to be left alone. Yeah, in all honesty, if I die in a random death and it's been, like, taking y'all 10 years, don't take my body up. I'm gone at that point. I mean, keep trying to find him. But, like, don't be ripping me up. Like, don't take my body out of the ground. That's just bullshit. 
Like I don't want my I don't want my skeleton just chilling on some table and everyone's like taking snaps of me. I don't want it. Okay. So at this point, what are the coincidences? What? There's none. Wh- I'll finish it for you. You got it. There's none. That someone's two husbands die of antifreeze poisoning. I already. Fe- oh, there's none. What Michael's body also showed was that he also died of rat poisoning. This piece of evidence, the rat poisoning, is what detectives held really close to their chest for later on in the investigation. But this is where it all made sense. The way that Michael felt, the feeling drunk when he wasn't, the disorientedness. Detectives then went back to chat with Stacy because they were like, okay, we are not done with you, Miss Ma'am, but now we're going to tailor this investigation back towards David. And this is when Stacy had lied about how many times she'd called David and how many times she's been in touch with him that weekend that he'd passed away. Stacy claimed that she had called David every 30 to 45 minutes because she was so worried about him. Cell phone records and home phone records showed that Stacy only called him one time that weekend. I also think calling him 30 to 45 minutes is a little bit crazy. I mean, give a man some space. <laughs> the detectives then asked Stacy about the glasses on the bedside table because there was one with antifreeze and then there was one with cranberry juice. And they asked her... Hey, which glass did you pour that cranberry juice into? Stacy then slipped and said, quote, I poured the antifree, I mean the cranberry juice, into this glass. <laughs> oh, you dummy. And those detectives are literally licking their chops, eating that Freudian slip right up because they were like, oh, okay. If you poured the cranberry juice into this glass, well, why are your fingerprints on the glass with the antifreeze in it? Stacy then loses her mind on the detectives. She starts screaming at them. She starts cussing them out for trying to frame her for this and screams that she's ending this interview. So she gets up to leave and she notices these photos on the table with the detectives, one of them being the turkey baster. So Stacy points to the photo and goes, what's that? And Detective Spinelli goes, quote, you concluded the interview. I can't talk to you. So he served her some hot ass sass on a silver platter. I was like, I am I not that. playing that game. She's she's so screwed. Mm-hmm. Stacy leaves, and at this point, the police had tapped her phones and were listening to every conversation that she was having. And investigators then went to visit the girls at school to ask them some questions. Ashley had actually just started college this week at Bryant and Stratton Institute, majoring in accounting. Wait, Bryant Stratton in New York. Oh. We have that in Virginia Beach. Really? Yeah. So investigators pull her out of class and they let her know that her father didn't die of a heart attack and that he was actually poisoned. No way. Which like I, I know you're like taking like algebra two oh two, but um your dad died. So get your shit and let's go. No, they just sent her back to class. They were like, All right. Oh, oh <laughs> They were like we know, like, your dad died of a heart attack, but he actually was poisoned. Anyways, good luck in chem. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. And Ashley was basically like, okay, I'm going back to class now, and I'm pretending that this conversation didn't happen because that's not true. He died of a heart attack, which obviously, because nobody's going to believe that their 
parent was poisoned right off the bat after losing them so suddenly. So police leave and Ashley calls her mother, Stacy, and she's sobbing. And she's like, the police just showed up. They told me dad was poisoned and that's how he died. And that's not true. Why would they come and say that to me? Stacy had already actually called Ashley prior to this. And after the interview that she'd had with police earlier, claiming that the police were trying to frame her. So in this phone call, Ashley's like, they really are trying to frame you for what's happening. Stacy's like, all right, well, I'll come pick you up. But Ashley tells her, no, it's my first week of classes. I don't want to miss anything. Just come get me when the day is done. So Damn, Sta- that girl is. She's a tough, she's a tough cookie. So Stacy oh. comes to pick up Ashley at the end of the day. And Stacy says, we've both been through so much together with this whole thing, with the police and your father and David. Let's go home and let's have some drinks. Like, let's go get a little crunky together which not a good coping mechanism, like maybe get some cake, some donuts, go shopping, do or just, something. you know, go to bed. Go to, go to bed. Go to bed. Ashley's not even 21 yet, so she's like, oh, hell yeah, yeet. My mom literally wants to go drink with me. Nice. Yeah, while my dad's, you know. So they go home, and Stacy pours Ashley her first drink, which is a drink in a tall glass, and then the rest of the drinks she had were straight out of the bottle or the can. They didn't really, like, tell say which after a little while stacy tells her mother that she's really not feeling well and she's beginning to feel a bit dizzy so stacy's like oh here take this pill and go lay down and go oh, rest stacy gives her a pill which we assume is ambien and yeah. ashley goes to her room and she falls asleep Ashley wakes up the next day and she's feeling horrible. She's like, dear mother of holy God, if this is what being hungover is like, absolutely no thank you. Like, dismiss me from this situation. Ashley still goes off to school feeling like shit because she's totally dedicated. And Ashley finishes all her classes and gets home before noon and Stacy's there waiting for her. When she gets there, Stacy's basically like, I had such a good time last night, queen. Like, let's do it again. And Ashley's like, damn, mom, it's literally not even noon and I'm still hungover and you want a day drink. Stacy's like, no, no, it's fine. It's totally cool. We can get a little pre-noon tipsy. And so Ashley basically says, okay, like my mom's going through a lot. I'm going through a lot. We're just chilling, drinking, vibing. It's fine. Okay, but no, like noon? Before noon, yeah. Like, come on. I'd be like, mom, chill the fuck out. I'm hungover. I'm going to go take a nap. You need help. I'd be like, I need a McDonald's hash brown and a yellow Gatorade. Yeah, and a nap <laughs> and cuddles and so much more than another drink, you fucking monster. So Stacy goes to the liquor store and she comes back with some vodka. And Stacy asks Ashley, have you ever had a screwdriver? Ashley says no. So Stacy goes off to mix some up. And if you don't know what a screwdriver is, it's just vodka and orange juice. So Stacy sends Ashley downstairs to switch over the laundry while she's making the drinks. When Ashley comes back up, Stacy's like, okay, done. Cheers, bitch. Let's drink and hands Ashley her drink. But when Ashley looks down at her glass, she sees these little floating specks in her drink. So she's basically like, ew, mom, there's literally stuff in my drink. I'm not drinking this. I need a new one. And Stacy stops her and goes, no, no, no. That's the spice I put in there. What? So... If someone, including my own mother, told me that's just the spice I mixed in, I'd be like, the only thing we are going to be spicing up is the beef we now have, because what in God's name are you putting in here that's a spice that needs to go in a screwdriver or in any sort of mixy? Well, I would literally be like, Mom, it's fucking noon. 
It is noon. No. <laughs> like, no. Fucking, like, go to, no. Go to the gym. So Ashley takes a sip, obviously, because she doesn't know what a screwdriver is. So you wouldn't be like, what kind of spice would you even put in this? And she immediately gags and goes, absolutely not. Not not taking a sip of this. Stacy laughs and she's like, oh my God, Ashley, like that's a screwdriver. Just put a straw in it and put it to the back of your throat and suck it down. You won't taste it. So Ashley does what her mom tells her. And immediately after this first drink, Ashley feels exactly like she did after several drinks the night before. She's dizzy. She's sick. She's disoriented. And she's like, okay, I need to go lay down because this was the worst thing I could have done for myself. Ashley lays down in her bed and passes out. Her boyfriend thought that he had left his wallet in her bedroom, so he kept calling her to try and see if it was there. And obviously, it's your wallet, so you're going to be kind of frantic, like, looking for an answer from that person. But Ashley wasn't answering. So he drives to the house and calls from outside, and Stacy was the one who answered the phone call, and she says, Ashley's sleeping. Can you call the house phone? So the boyfriend's like, um, okay. So he calls the home phone and Stacy answers and he basically says, hey, I think I left my wallet there. I think it's in Ashley's bedroom. Can you go check for me? Stacy is like, yeah, sure. Hold on. So she goes and she checks the bedroom and then quickly says, nope, not there. Don't see it. And he's like, um, okay. And they hang up. Later on, the boyfriend said that since he was sitting outside, he was looking at Ashley's bedroom and no light was ever turned on in Ashley's room. So Stacy never went in to go check and he could hear on the phone that Stacy actually had people over. What? Yep. So Ashley is laying in her bed, dying, which we learn later on, and Stacy was having her besties over to mingle, which this wasn't something uncommon Neighbors said that after David had died, Stacy always had people over and she was constantly doing projects, changing the look of the house, mingling with people, having people over, which not weird because David left everything he owned to Stacy. But was what was weird is that David had a son and two grandchildren and he didn't leave anything to them. Yeah. And like you're just partying and killing people. Yeah. Also weird was Stacy had a full-on boyfriend at this point, and it was the same boyfriend that she'd had while she was married to David. Oh, yeah, so not only do you have a boyfriend, but you're living in that house that you... She was balling out on the life that he left for her. Ew, that's so gross. So now, it's the morning of September 14th, when Bree finds Ashley unconscious in her bedroom, and Ashley's rushed to the hospital. Detectives tell Ashley about the suicide note and the vodka and the murder confession. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't kill anybody. Detectives then take another look at the suicide note and they're like, oh, wait a minute. They immediately notice the word anti-free, which was written four times throughout that suicide note. Oh my gosh. This made detectives full on gasp because who else used the word anti-free? Stacy. Stupid Stacy. She had said anti-free in the interview that police had with her. But what they thought was her stopping short in her tracks to change the word to cranberry juice was actually her literally using the word that she thought that the product was called. It's called antifreeze. Yeah, she not was anti-free. calling it anti-free. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Dumb bitch. She doesn't even know what she's poisoning people with. No. In this hospital with her daughter still coming to trying to figure out what is going on and the other sitting next to her in the waiting room hoping that her sister makes it out alive stacy castor is arrested on suspicion of david castor 
and attempted murder of her firstborn daughter, Ashley Wallace. That is so sad. Stacy was going to pin everything on her oldest daughter, who was 12 years old at the time of the first murder, Michael Wallace, and say that she had committed both of these murders on her own and then had taken her own life. There was no antifreeze in Ashley's drink. Instead, Stacy had laced all of Ashley's drinks with different drugs, and that's what the white specks were in that screwdriver. Which makes sense because in the 911 call, Stacy had said that her daughter had taken a bunch of pills. Oh my god. Stacy maintained <sighs> that she was innocent the entire time, before the trial, during the trial, and after the trial. I don't give a fuck. She continued to claim that it was Ashley who murdered both of her husbands. So she was continuing to pin the murders on her own daughter. How fucking insane do you have to be? You have to be an absolutely crazy insane. person. Insane, insane. Detectives found that Stacy's fingerprints lit up the suicide note, and they were the only prints on the entire thing. It had also been written on the family's computer three separate times, two rough drafts and one final version. (laughs) All three of these all three of these were written at verified times when Ashley wasn't home and was at school. She had signed into class and her mother was writing her daughter a 750 word suicide note, framing her for the murders of her husbands and then trying to poison her. Yeah, you're absolutely, you're just absolutely insane. 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 So I'm going to read some of the letter, but it's very hard to read because there's absolutely no punctuation and a lot of misspellings. It says, mommy, when you read the letter, just remember, I love you and everything I did is because I love you. I'm sorry all of this is happening to you, but now everyone is going to know what really happened and they know it wasn't you. It was me. None was ever supposed to know about daddy. And I told you when daddy died, it was all my fault. It was daddy was doing things to you. Never knew about he was drinking when he was at pick and pull house and at Lisa's house. He was smoking pot again, too. I saw him. He was mean to you and me. And he only ever loved Brie. I couldn't let him do those things to you anymore. You think I don't remember how things were, but I do. And I didn't want to ever live like that anymore. It wasn't fair to you or me or daddy. Wasn't going. This is so hard to read with no punctuation. Wasn't going to be good to you or ever only loved Brie. I couldn't stand it anymore. The cops said that there was anti-free in daddy's body, but did they tell anyone about the rat poison too when I got home from school that day? I knew what was going on. Daddy was barely breathing. I knew he was going to die. That's why I didn't call you for help or anyone else. I wanted to make sure he couldn't be mean to you or me anymore before he died. I went to pick up Bree from school and I watched him and I knew he couldn't hurt you anymore. Then we were happy for a while, just the three of us. And then you married David and he was mean to you. It's all about her. Mm -hmm. It's all about the mom. It was mean to you. You, 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 you. And the rat poison, which oh they never God. told about Fucking from Michael annoying. Wallace. That woman is so stupid. Mm-hmm. Stupid. So even after all of this, there were people that were still believing that Stacy wasn't lying. <laughs> no way. Dumbasses. You're a dumbass. One of them was her own mother. Uh, well, Judy. Okay. okay. Well. Judy said, quote, they were blaming Stacy for this, and I kind of went hysterical. I do not believe that Stacy has it in her to kill two men, especially men she's supposed to love. I do not believe Stacy did it. She would not frame Ashley. Judy then said what backed this up was the relationship that Brie had with her father and that Ashley didn't have with her father, and that Ashley had a lot of pent-up anger and jealousy over the years. 
And she also said that Brie and Ashley hated David and that they fought all the time because their relationship was so bad. People in the neighborhood also claimed that Ashley had a temper and that she had a dark side to her personality and that she was totally capable of doing something like this. <laughs> Which, like, we... I mean, just... It, it, you guys just didn't read through the lines. Like, there was just no, like... It, this is... It, it takes a... There was no rocket science to figure out how that you can piece this thing together. No. The other thing was Stacy couldn't even pronounce the product right, which just shows that it's a pattern of speech because people don't just pronounce specific words wrong as a group. Like you wouldn't all pronounce antifreeze as antifree. It's like a pattern of that person's. Exactly. And Stacy was indicted in December uh, 2007 on December 20th and faced three charges one count of second degree murder one count of attempted second degree murder and a plot for forged will so David's son David Jr. had actually sued Stacy in the past basically saying that his father never would have left him nothing and that Stacy did things that his father never would have done Stacy sold his heating and cooling business, which he never would have done because that was a family business that was supposed no, to be handed down. Absolutely not. She sold the business for $200,000. She then went on to change the entire house, and two of Stacy's friends came forward saying that they watched both parties sign the edit to the will and that David had signed off on everything. Both parties ended up signing affidavits in the original lawsuit claiming that they did see that. But once it came out that Stacy murdered David, they were like, all right, we'll try this again. Because once they learned that they could be charged for lying about witnessing the will changing, oh they quickly changed their statements. Oh, jeez almighty. So Lynn Plasky and her husband said that they had signed the will after David had already died because they believed that they were doing Stacy a favor. When like, girlfriend, the only favor you're doing is helping her commit fraud. That's what I'm saying. Like... Uh- this girl is so, like, I just, yeah. It, she's a whole bunch of unbelievable. She's a freaking nightmare. Yeah. Lynn said, quote, I figured I could help make things go smoother for her. Then why not? I never in my wildest imagination thought it could turn out to be what it is. It's never just forged wills. It's never just forged wills or forged checks. There's always deeper crimes than that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just not what, it, yeah. It is. The two of them then cooperated the rest of the investigation, so they didn't face any charges, but they did lie on the affidavit originally. So in January of 2009, the trial began, and Ashley did testify against her mother and shared everything that had happened prior to her being poisoned by her mother. The relationships, the drinks, the behavior, and she stared right at Stacy in court and said, quote, I never knew what hate was until now. As horrible as it makes me feel, this is goodbye, mom. And as hard as you tried, I survived. What? Yep. Imagine looking at your mother in the face and being like, as hard as you tried to kill me, I'm still here. That's so badass. Yeah. That's so cool. She's a tough and it's nut. Just, well, and also it's just sad. It really is just sad. Prosecutors were able to use the note, the drinks, computers, and the evidence that they found once they exhumed Michael Wallace's body. And prosecutors used evidence from both David's murder and Michael's murder to paint a picture of what Stacy did to her husband's. They basically shared that Stacy was feeding Michael and David antifreeze in their drinks. And then when they got sick, giving it to them as medicine. Then when they were severely sick to the point of near death, Stacy would use that turkey baster to force feed antifreeze down their throats. Oh my God. Yeah. Prosecu- oh my God. 
Prosecutors explain that the reasoning for Stacy Castro's fingerprints on the glass containing antifreeze is due to her probably giving her dying husband more antifreeze and helping to pour it down his throat. And this is when prosecutors shared computer evidence, which showed that Stacy wrote the suicide note two days before she drugged Ashley, showing that it was completely planned prior to the notes and the drinks oh ever being god. bought. Oh my god. The jury deliberated for four days, and when they came back, they found Stacy Castor guilty on all of her charges. Stacy was then sentenced to 54 years in prison, and the judge, Joseph Fahey, said to her, quote, In my 34 years in the criminal justice system, as a lawyer and a judge, I've seen serial killers, contract killers, killers of every kind of stripe. But I have to say, Mrs. Castor, you are in a class all by yourself. She really is. Which is such a, it's like a perfect way to describe it of like, you are your own breed of fucking psychotic. You killed your husband, your step-husband, well, second second husband and your daughter, your daughter, Mm -hmm. all for money and just like, but why even get married? It's because she's lazy and she didn't want to like take care of herself. After this, she was sent to Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women in New York to serve out her sentence, which at this point you think, all right, case closed. But wait, there's more. What? During Stacy's trial, there was talk beginning to hit the town of another man in Stacy's life who had passed away unexpectedly. Her dad. Her papa. Papa. Jerry Daniels. On February of 2002, he was in the hospital for a lung-related issue, and he was doing really well. And on February 25th, the doctor said that he was ready to be released the next day, which is great because that means all signs point to healthy. His family, including Stacy, was there to hear that news and was thrilled that he was going to be okay and coming home. Stacy went back the next day to pick him up, and while they were waiting there to be discharged, she brought him in a soda. Witnesses there. No way. Yep. Witnesses there that day claimed that the can of soda was already open when she handed it to her dad. And Jerry Daniels, her dad, who was pretty much recovered, died the next day. His- no. Sh- this girl's a psycho, like, family killer. Oh, yeah. His death was attributed to natural causes. Bullshit. Stacy was the beneficiary of his will. So she quickly. Bullshit. Yep. Fuck out of here. So she quickly arranged for him to be cremated and then inherited all of his money. Jerry was also buried in the same plot that she had Michael Wallace and David Castor no buried. No way. This bitch is fucking crazy. How is no one connecting this? Uh-huh. So the three of them were all in the same area. Fucking crazy. Her brother-in-law literally called it, quote, Stacy's Monument to Murder. Yeah, it's like a fucking... Mo- Ew, uh, this bitch sucks. Michael was on the far right, David was on the far left, and Papa was in the middle. Fuck there. This woman took Hollow for a dollar to a literal whole new level. She took laziness and greed. David Castor Jr., David's son, removed David's remains from that plot in 2016, and he had Stacy's name taken off of the grave marker. Good. Fuck that bitch. And the DA was looking into the death of Jerry Daniels, but since he was cremated, they really couldn't do anything because they didn't have any evidence to go off of that. Stacy was never convicted of Michael Wallace's murder because on June 11th, 2016, she died in prison of, ironically, a heart attack. Good fucker. She was 48 years old, which was the same age of David when he died. 
And she had never talked to her daughters again after they had testified in court. It's crazy. So that's that. And that's the case. But that is sad. And that is crazy that those guys just died for no reason. And their daughter? Are you kidding me? I know. I think the daughter one's the saddest. Yeah, because she would have rather... She, she literally, wanted money over her child. She wanted money over her child and was like, oh, I'm not getting caught for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting caught for you. this. I'll throw my kid to the freaking wolves for that. She's a crazy person. Sure, sure. It's just horrible. It's a horrible case. Yeah. But it was a good one. I liked it. Good job. Thanks. It was interesting. Yeah, it was very good. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to give it a like because it really helps support our podcast. Wait, give it a like. Why do I always say that? Make <laughs> sure you download because it really helps support our podcast. Well, and also that was a funny episode. You should have laughed and we had a good time and she was crazy. So it was a good one. We're lightening up murder a little bit because we know it's yeah, a heavy topic. Come on, guys. But in all seriousness, thank you guys so much for all the downloads because it's been so cool to see that lately and all the really nice messages we've been getting it's just so like you guys are awesome we have the best little community in the whole entire true crime world yeah we have fun we and do. i'm glad we get to do it with you so if you want to see the case notes and the photos from the case you can follow us on instagram at crime with the k if you want to send us a case suggestion or just chat you can email us at crime with a k and if you want to sing along with Chase, you can send him a DM at Crime with a K. You're not going to get it from me. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, we will see you guys on Thursday. All right, guys. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.